Welcome to today's Author's Corner, brought to you by KNEO 91.7 FM, The Word. This is Roberta Foster, and today I welcome Ken Ham to Author's Corner, and he has written the book Divine Dilemma, and it's published by Master Books, and he'll tell you more about how to find the book at the end of the program. Uh, just a little bit about Ken Ham. He is the founder and CEO of Answers in Genesis and its two popular attractions, the Creation Museum and the internationally known Ark Encounter. He's also the author of more than 30 books revealing Genesis 1 through 11 as foundational to understanding the gospel and providing vital answers to cultural issues. And Ken, thank you so very much for being with us today. Oh, it's great to be with you, Roberta. You know, this book is considerably more personal, it seems, and um, you started out by saying one of the most asked questions you've received is regarding how do we understand all the death, disease, and suffering in this world if there really is a loving God? And that certainly is a common question amongst unbelievers and even some believers. Um, So how did you come to answer that question? Well, you know, the subtitle of the book, Divine Dilemma, is wrestling with the question of a loving God in Mm -hmm. a fallen world. And, you know, one of the things I have found over the years, I've been in this ministry now for over 40 years, and whether it's Christian or non-Christian, they bring up the topic of death and suffering. You know, Mm -hmm. non-Christians will say, you Christians talk about a loving God, but look at all the death and suffering and disease in the world. And then there are Christians who struggle with this issue because there's tragedy in their life or somebody dies from some horrible disease or something like that, or mm-hmm. they themselves are suffering terribly, and, and, and they say, you know, where is God in all of this? How do we understand all that? And so, you know, there's been many books written on this topic, of course, and uh, a, a lot of the books I find you will say, well, let's look at the Bible and see what the Bible says, and certainly we need to do that, as I'll, I'll talk about. But at the same time, I, I wanted this book to be different in that it follows um, my mother, And so these are real examples that we experience ourselves. It's one thing to write about something. It's another thing to write about it as you experience it. And my uh, mother lived till she was nearly 92. Mm. Uh, Now, my father died at 66, so she lived without him for 26 years. And then seven years after my father's death, I had a younger brother who was a great Bible-teaching pastor, just young family, you know, in his early 40s, and he died of a horrible dehumanizing brain disease mm. over two years. And so how, how do we walk through all that as a family, uh, as people who are Christians, and my godly mother? And I wanted people to understand, yes, we, we struggle too. And my mother struggled. She never, never questioned her faith, but she still struggled. Why does God allow this? Why would this happen to my son when the liberal pastor who teaches against God's word is healthy as anything mm-hmm. and, and so on? And you know, we, we had to go through and talk about all those things. And so this is a very personal book. And one of the things I wanted people to understand, sometimes answers to these questions can be too super spiritual, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this is what God's Word says. You just have to trust that's the mm-hmm. end of it. Whereas I want, I want people to know we struggled as Christians, and we would ask questions and say, Lord, we don't understand this. And my mother would cry out saying, I, I don't understand why. And it's okay to struggle. We're humans. It's okay to grieve. We're humans. It's okay to ask those questions. But then we have to step back, as my mother did, and look at it from the perspective of God's Word. And Mm -hmm. first thing I say to people, 
Genesis 1 to 11, you mentioned some of the books I've written about mm-hmm. that. Genesis 1 to 11 is the foundation for everything. It's the right. foundation for all doctrine, foundation for the rest of the Bible, foundation for our Christian worldview. You want to deal with any issue at all, you have to start from Genesis 1 to 11. And that's true of this death and suffering issue, because there sure. we have the origin of sin and the origin of death. We need to understand that we are suffering the consequences of our sin in Adam. We are not good people. You know, the heart of man is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. And and I think many times we look at it and say, we don't deserve this. We, well, we don't even deserve to exist. We, in Adam, committed high treason against the God of creation, and he placed upon us the judgment of death. But we've got to remember something. At the same time, he said he would come and rescue us from this. We have to suffer the consequences of our sin, but he... Uh, said he would rescue us, and he promised a saviour back there uh, in Genesis 3. And our bodies die, but we're made in the image of God, so we're going to live forever, but we can't live with a holy God as sinners, that mm-hmm. he stepped into history uh, to save us from our sin, that for those who repent of their sin and put their trust in Christ, we can spend eternity with him. But we still have to live in this fallen world, in these sin-cursed bodies. We've got to understand that. And as I say to people, and as my, yeah, as my, you know, I talked to my mother about mm-hmm. this and have this in the book, and that is, we've got to remember something. You know, in the scripture in Romans 8 where it says all things work together for good, it doesn't say all things are good. Right. <laughs> all things will work together for mm-hmm. good. Uh, and, and we need to understand the true context of that. And then, you know, people, people say, but isn't the book of Job about death and suffering? And it never answers the question, why? Mm. Well, but to me, it does. It does answer the question, because Job suffered all this horrible tragedy, uh, horrible diseases himself. His friends gave him bad advice, and then he wanted to justify himself before God, as we all want to do. But, but Lord, do I deserve this? And I've been a good person, whatever. And Job was sort of wanting to justify himself before God. And then God says, Job, Job, listen to me. Mm-hmm. And then in Job 38, 39, 40, 41, 42 into 42, God asked Job questions, and, and and his questions pretty well relate to who he is as the creator, which is interesting, because all the way through the scripture, you know, what's the difference between our God and all the false gods? Because God with a capital G and the little capital, little G God. Mm-hmm. Well, because our God is the creator, because he's the, he, he is the true God. He's the only God. And so he asked him all these questions. Do you know this? Do you know that? Do you know this? Do you know that? Do you know this? Do you know that? Mm-hmm. And then... Job gets it. Then verse in chapter 42, he says, um, Lord, I, I now see you as you are. Mm-hmm. And that's what we've got to do. Who are yes. you? I now see you as you are. You know all things. In other words, we know nothing compared to what God knows. Job realized, how dare I question God? He knows everything. I know nothing. And then he mm-hmm. says, I repent in dust and ashes. And really what we're saying to people, and my mother had to come to groups with, we had to come to groups with as a family, we have to let God be God. We think we know best. We think we know a lot. We know nothing compared to what God knows. I mean, you, you, you know, it, it, is it possible there's information we don't know that could change the whole way we look at this? Of course, yeah. because we don't know everything. And God says, he promises all things work together for good, mm-hmm. um, no matter what the circumstances. That's hard for for us to, to grapple with right. as, as humans. But, you know, I, I, I even give examples like take, take Queen Esther. Um, as a little girl, she lost her parents. I mean, c- could you imagine maybe... 
people back then saying, this is not right. Why would God let this young, beautiful uh-huh. girl sure. lose her parents? You know, that, that what a terrible situation. And yet we're able to look back and see that God used all uh-huh. that for good in that he used her and all those circumstances to save um, an entire group of people. Right. You know, his people, the Israelites. The other thing is, um, there's there's lots of aspects to this we can talk about, and I, I do in the book, of course, but we often hear people say, but why would God let that person die? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I know I cover this in the book in relation to my brother, where my mother said, it doesn't seem fair. Why does God, why did God let Robert die when, when the liberal pastor who undermines God's word is, is healthy and mm-hmm. strong, um, but why did um, he, he, he allow him to die? And one of the things we have to come to grips with, it's not a matter of why did that person die? It's a matter of why does everyone die? Because we're all under the death penalty because of sin. So, uh, so when we say, why did that person die? It doesn't make sense. We've got to remember something, but everyone's going to die. And the person asking that question is going to die. Sure. And that's why, you know, when the Tower of Siloam fell on people and killed 18 in Luke, uh, I think it's Luke 13, um, and Jesus asked the question, were they worse sinners than others? And then he answered it by saying, repent. In other words, that was their turn to die. Um, and, and you're going to die. So you know what the most important thing is? That you have repented of your sin and know Christ, because that's what it's all about, that Amen. you know the Lord. And as, you know, um, well. as my... My brother even said in one of his sermons, when you die, you're totally healed. And so he's totally healed, and we're not. Well, in your book, you have a chapter that's actually called The Right Question. So instead of us asking why, what question should we be asking? I think the the question we need to be asking is, what is God teaching me through this? Mm -hmm. And how is God using this? And he's going to use it for good. Um, And even if I don't see that at the time, um, nonetheless, I need to recognize these are the circumstances we're in, and, and we need to not question God, but I think we should be questioning ourselves. I yeah. think we should be looking at ourselves, and how are we dealing with this in regard to what God's Word says to us, rather than uh, looking at God and saying, you know, how dare this happen, or why would you let this happen? Mm-hmm. At, at the same time, I understand why we ask those questions, why... Sure. And, and Lord, this doesn't make sense to me. And as I said, it's okay to ask those questions, but even when you ask them, then we have to get back to saying, but uh, the right question is, what should my response be uh, in this situation? And I look at my godly mother, and her response was really like Job's. In the end, she says, but God's in control. I understand. Mm-hmm. And God knows best. I don't. I have to leave it with him, even though I grieve, even though I struggle. And we've got to all get to that particular position. As human beings, we think we're the end all of all things, except when we read in in Scripture that God is God and He can do what He wants to do. He created us, as you've already talked about. And so who are we to say anything to Him about what He allows and uh, or even puts into our life, except that by that worldview of trusting God, we we can relax and we can ultimately come right back to it and say, I trust you. I know that you know the end from the beginning. And just to help me with my emotions as we go through this. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, even think of 
uh, Joseph and the circumstances he went through in his life. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and yet look how God used that in ways that absolutely yeah. shocked his yeah. brothers. Uh, they, they didn't have a clue that was going to happen, and Joseph didn't either. And yet, at the same time, you know, Joseph had to go through struggles. He had to be in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can imagine the emotions he's going through. Imagine if, if he had have said, that's it, and, and he walked away from God and so on, but he didn't. And even though he had to suffer those things, and yet then you look back and say, wow, look what God's done. And that's why, you know, some people have likened, you know, life is like a tapestry. You know, we, we can look at a tapestry and say, it is so beautiful, you know, beautiful patterns that we see in it and the colors and everything. But then you look on the back and it can look like an absolute mess with all the threads going everywhere. Mm-hmm. And we're sort of like the people looking on the back yeah. of the tapestry. Mm-hmm. And we see all these threads and we, we, we don't see them all uh, as God sees, because if you turn it around and look at the other side and you say, there's the beautiful mm-hmm. pattern God mm-hmm. sees. and I often think about my brother Robert, you know, we could say, wow, he had a great ministry in a church, he was teaching, teaching God's Word, verse by verse, and so on, um, and, and, and he loved, uh, loved the Lord, and he wouldn't compromise God's Word, and so on. Um, why wouldn't God let him continue that ministry? And yet, you know, with this book, for instance, and I've often talked about him, and even talks that I give dealing with death and suffering, I really, I would say he's probably ministered to mm-hmm. thousands upon thousands right. more people go. through these circumstances than he would have in his life. And maybe that's, maybe that's just one little tiny mm-hmm. part of it, but it's a little part we can look at and say, look how God has used this. Amen. Well, today I'm talking with Ken Ham about his book, Divine Dilemma, with the subtitle Wrestling with the Question of a Loving God in a Fallen World. And this book has uh, just a lot to deal with of how we can handle the grief and pain as we go through difficult times. And so, uh, Ken, tell our listeners how they can find out more about this book and, and Answers in Genesis. Well, the main website of Answers in Genesis is answersingenesis.org, answersingenesis.org, and the book Divine Dilemma, uh, you can certainly uh, get there from our online store, and of course it's uh, available from other places too uh, that uh, sell uh, books, that sell Christian books, but uh, answersingenesis.org uh, not only has thousands of articles on there, and we deal with this topic as well, and has our store with uh, all the books, and Divine Dilemma is one we're talking about. It also has links to our two uh, attractions, the Creation Museum and the Ark Encounter, and uh, these are the two leading Christian-themed attractions in the world. And, of course, what we're doing there is using exhibits and theatres and planetariums and all sorts of wonderful things to point people to the truth of Mm -hmm. God's Word and the saving gospel, which is what it's all about and and why we even talk about these topics, to help us understand it's God who gives us the answer of who we are, what our problem is, what the solution is. That's the most important thing. Mm -hmm. Well, one more time, the book today is Divine Dilemma by Ken Ham and published by Master Books. And so thank you so much for being with us today, Ken Ham. Thank you. Anytime. To our listeners, if you missed any part of today's interview or would like to hear it again, you can find it on your favorite podcast platform. And thank you so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you again next time on Author's Corner. Author's Corner.